Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Phoenix, Arizona, it's time for Phoenix Business Radio, spotlighting the city's best businesses and the people who lead them. Welcome to Arizona Good Business Radio, connecting leaders together to have conversations about building strong local communities through doing good business. I'm your host, Thomas Barr, Vice President of Local First Arizona. We are a statewide organization advocating for and celebrating locally owned businesses. We're the largest local business coalition in North America, raising awareness of the benefits of building a strong local economy. Our hopes are to inspire more companies to do good business by highlighting local businesses that are building a better Arizona. Today, I'm joined by Patrick Holcomb, Drew Archer, and Taylor Curley from Ironwood Venture. Welcome, everyone. Hey, thanks, Thomas. Thanks, thanks for having so much us. for Thank being you. here. Vice President. Woo. Big, big deal. Yeah. Feels like it. Feels like it. It's interesting to think about your title sometimes and how it comes off to other people. And really, you're just like a normal person going throughout your day and have to do everything that everybody else does. So back in, back in my retail days, you get the shakedown. And somebody's yeah. like, hey, I want a bigger title. I'm like, great. You are now the executive vice president of North American sales. They're like, really? I'm like, yeah, sure. Why not? Sounds good. <laughs> no, no, it doesn't. But you have title. fancy, yeah. yeah. And that's majestic. Well, Patrick, I'd love to hear from you. Tell us about Ironwood Venture. Tell us about your journey as an entrepreneur, as a business owner. What is Ironwood Venture and what do you do? Well, first of all, thanks for having us. Excited to be here. And um, yeah, Ironwood, we're a traditional management consulting firm. So think of like a Deloitte McKinsey, but focused on small business. So everything from strategy, helping with hiring, Mm-hmm. sales, marketing with Taylor next to me, uh, heavy financials. So with Drew is acts as a CFO for our clients. Mm. Um, the tough part when you're a small business and you're sub 20 million in revenue, you got a bookkeeper, you got a CPA, the two don't talk often. Yeah. And you need somebody in the middle to look forward, not just look backward. Right. Um, we started, I don't know, seven, eight years ago now. Mm-hmm. And at the time, all of our partners were all from corporate America. So we all had big jobs. Okay. And one day I came home, we were living in California. I had 200 retail locations, 2,000 people, and came home, told my wife, I was like, I'm literally getting dumber, Hmm. and it's just time for a change. Hmm. And she's like, do it. And so at that time, switched, went over to sell uh, software and data, and just gave me a lot of freedom to be able to kind of, you know, pursue other passions. Mm -hmm. We relocated back to Arizona at that time, and we had invested in a small business here in town, and great known, great product. And once we invested, just saw opportunities where our backgrounds could really help thrive, mm-hmm. not with the product necessarily, but with all the other things, the junky things mm-hmm. that most people don't want to deal with. Right. Mm-hmm. And once we did that, we had a group downtown Phoenix, good friends of ours said, Hey, could you replicate that? And we said, yeah, maybe, you know, we're old guys with mortgages and kids, so it can't be out <laughs> of the garage, but, uh, you know, let's give it a go. And that's, that's where we started. Cool. And so primarily referral based, industry agnostic. So we have everything from manufacturing, pool builder, Hmm. custom home builders, wellness clinics. Everybody needs it, right? Everybody needs it. Yep. Yeah. And it's, you know, the, the overarching is you have to, you have to want help and not everybody does. And there's a lot of thriving businesses. And I say, you know, keep on trucking, but if something happens, I got a partnership, I need to break up, or we're going to move to a new territory, or I'm having trouble hiring. Right. Like, because we have, you know, 25-ish clients at any one time across all those industries, we're just seeing all the things. Mm -hmm. So when you have trouble hiring, we can help with 90-day bonus, 180-day bonus, um, just, you know, tangible things to help Mm -hmm. that, you know, you'll figure it out on your own, 
our goal is to do it faster with less bumps and bruises. Sure. Well, I want to put a pin in hiring because we could have an entire episode just based off of that right now. That's right. <laughs> That's right. So interesting. You're just kind of aha moment doing big things, right? But maybe losing your sense of, I don't know, connection to what drives you maybe a little bit. Um, I was just having a conversation with a business partner who was offered an opportunity to kind of advance nationally with overseeing stores throughout the country. And this individual was like, you know, this is a great opportunity, would be really fun, but I want to be in the community. I want to work directly with small businesses and I want to see the impact more locally. Sounds like maybe you potentially felt the same way. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, you just, there's no other pocket outside of small business where you can see results and you can see results quickly. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for hiring, a tangible example is when I meet somebody and they're saying, hey, it's, you know, the market's really hot. It's hard to find people. Compensation's out of whack, like all that stuff. I say, okay, you know, show me your job description. And it looks like you're going to be working in a prison camp. Mm-hmm. Like that's not exciting. Mm-hmm. And you're competing against maybe a corporate job where that actually is what you're doing. And you need to make it fun and enjoyable and get people excited about it. And it's just a different mindset. Yeah. Um, culturally, right? Yeah. It's a different culture, right? It's different activities, but it's a different culture. And, you know, you got to celebrate that if you want good people around you. Right. I want to go back a couple of years because uh, now we're almost in 2023, which is wild. Mm-hmm. And we were first connected and introduced in um, the early points of the pandemic. <clears throat> I want to say it was April, maybe May 2020. If we flash back, this was when everyone was trying to figure out what a PPP loan even meant, how to get access to it. And I know we were just chatting before this about how all those businesses out there that thought they had a good partnership or relationship with their bank all of a sudden overnight did not. Just woke up and realized they were numbers. But the really interesting thing is I know we brought you in because Local First was hosting, you know, weekly check-ins with any business that just wanted to to connect and and see what resources were out there. And we brought you in. And you, one thing I'll always remember is you said, every single one of our clients received a first round PPP loan. And if everybody remembers, that first round was when we heard Potbelly, Sandwich Shop, you know, the franchise, yeah. the Los Angeles Lakers, Lakers. The Lakers were, <laughs> were the best. Getting, yeah. getting a PPP loan and everyone was all mad. But I thought it was just really unique because a second round, they fixed it, right? Most businesses that were eligible got it in the second round. They had to wait because there was so much uh, so much going on, red tape through the first round. But every single one of your clients got the first round. I just thought that was so interesting and really showed that you had a good pulse on what was coming. And because I and I really appreciate that because that's what we we were trying to do at Local First is get businesses to see and to connect with people that could help predict and set them up for what's coming in three, four, five, six months, 12 months of the pandemic, because a lot of people were operating week by week. I'd love to just hear your perspective on kind of how did that work for you? How did you get your clients set up for that? And how did you continue on through the pandemic, making the right predictions for them, if you could? Yeah, you know, obviously, interesting times. Um, I think the benefit of when you have outside help is we're not running the business. Right. We're not employees. We're not boards providing wisdom. We, we sit in the middle. And at that time, I remember like it was yesterday for the, what, 14 days to slow the spread. Yeah. I sat in my office and I was like, hey, this is going to be a game changer and this is going to alter everything. First is our clients, but then also the community. Mm. So things like Local First, things like the IRC, just groups we were involved in, you know, how can we help? Yeah. And 
our clients are not going to sit and read 75 pages of the PPP direction from Treasury. Right. We're just not going to do it. And so I just said, me and our partners, we just said, hey, we're going to do it. We're going to do the work. We're going to think about what's ahead, and we're going to predict and forecast what we think is going to happen. So at the time, I worked at Bank of America, so I know what they're built for and how quickly they can move, and it's a big, giant ship, yeah. and they can't move that quick. It's not even their fault. They just can't move that quick. Mm-hmm. And that was one of the first things we looked at with PPP is the bank's going to have to facilitate it and who has community bank relationships. Mm. You know, we do. I'd say at the time, probably half of our clients did. Mm. And that was the first thing we did was reached out to a couple of banks, uh, friends here in town, Commerce Bank, oh, yeah. uh, for example, First Western, another great example. And I called them, the CEOs, and I just said, hey, we're going to see a lot of influx. Can I send people your way? And they said, absolutely, no limit. Wow. And so we took care of our clients first. And then I started sending off emails, you know, once a week, maybe, mm-hmm. every five, 10 days, every time there was a something of tangible importance mm-hmm. and would just send it off. And I'd get calls all the time from every industry, some pretty sizable businesses. And they're saying, hey, how do you know what to do? What do we do? How can we help? Yeah. And I'd refer to the bank, kind of walk people through what to do. Did a lot of podcasts, did a lot of sitting in and team meetings, just trying to help because, you know, we were a little bit closer and we weren't worried about our own business. Mm-hmm. We were about everybody else's. Mm-hmm. And that's probably the difference, right? When you have outside assistance, like our business, you know, was going to make it or not, not, not the, you know, who cares, right? But how can we help others kind of navigate whether it was PPP, whether it was ERC, whether it was just battening down the hatches, like yeah. print your credit card statements and walk through and look at all these subscriptions that you have. Yeah. I love ESPN plus. But in a pandemic, maybe we don't need that yeah, this month. Right. Just tangible, again, tactical things that you could actually yeah. that you could actually do. Absolutely. I love to hear that because we took a similar approach, obviously, as a, a small business, nonprofit organization, different things we could do. But I was just so grateful to um, be able to connect with you and your team and um, be able to just partner together on, on those things. Um, it's it's rewarding looking back and seeing what we were able to do to help so many businesses during that, during those difficult times. So no doubt. And now it's, you know, it comes into like the, the what's next. I always said during the pandemic, you know, you were who you thought you were, meaning if you were a gunslinger, you got, you doubled down on it. If you were anxious, you were kind of more anxious mm-hmm. and then everything in between. But, you know, fast forward a couple of years and, you know, now most business owners, especially my vintage, You've been through 9-11, the financial crisis, the pandemic, mm-hmm. and you just have a different perspective on how to navigate during, yeah. you know, troubled waters, which yeah. is which is a good thing. Taking a few blows to the body. You've taken quite a few blows. <laughs> <laughs> quite a few blows. Well, cool. Well, uh, Drew Taylor, um, I'd love to hear from you too because uh, you're a team and and you do so much great work. And I've, I've loved connecting with you and, and hearing about your uh, perspectives on the clients you help too. So, Taylor, let's start with you. What is your role uh, with the company and how do you work with your team? Yeah, so I've been with Ironwood for about four years now, maybe four and a half years. And I am the marketing arm, which I feel like is in my time with Ironwood, I found pretty rare for a management consulting firm to have an in-house marketing arm. Mm -hmm. And how it kind of came about was, you know, working with Patrick, he would outsource marketing a lot, right? It's something that all small businesses need. It's something that's always an afterthought, right? They're scrambling like, oh, we have a promotion going out, you know, tomorrow we need emails. Can someone scramble and do an email or, you know, not a ton of strategy around it. And so when I met Patrick, he's like, you know, a lot of our clients have the need for you. We outsource it, but then we're on the hook for this marketing agency if they don't do a good job. So brought me in house and worked, uh, just kind of started working with a few clients here and there. Cool. And now I work with probably 85% of our clients. Yeah, oh, wow. probably. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. yeah. 
everything from social media to paid online advertising, Google ads, Facebook, Instagram, overarching marketing strategies like quarterly strategy, email, traditional marketing, graphic design work. Yeah, because most of the time an agency and there's great agencies around, we work with a bunch of them. The difference I'd say with ours is that's not the core, right? Mm. The core is like we're tied to the P&L and performance. Okay. So when somebody says, hey, how do we hold you accountable? It's not impressions. It's the income statement. Sure. Right. And the two kind of tie to tie. And that as a business owner, you feel you feel good about that. Yeah. You feel good about the process. I love that you look at the like the the numbers that matter, right? <laughs> so, yeah. so often there's a lot of businesses out there like, <clears throat> look at all these clicks and things that we've gotten you. Well, what does that mean for <laughs> my actual business, totally. right? Yeah, That's we right. call them vanity metrics in in yeah. marketing, right? Yeah. There's you could have the most beautiful website, you could have you know, an ads campaign that's running, you know, getting five cents a click, but yeah, what, what does it mean? That's exactly it. Then it means nothing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I'm going to say your right side of the brain. I'm going to guess left side of the brain over here, Drew. Very much so. <laughs> <laughs> so where's that financial piece come in that you play role in? I mean, it comes in everywhere. I think um, really establishing those financial routines and disciplines. So many of our clients initially the business owner looks at the bank account and mm-hmm. they have a number in their head. Mm-hmm. And if the bank account has that number, they assume they're in a good spot and they're doing well. But it doesn't really tell the story or allow you to dive in and dig in on issues and kind of figure out where leakage might be, where you're spending too much money or where we could save money. And so making sure that our clients close out their books by the 10th of the month and then get the financials in front of them mm. so they can really understand, okay, what, where am I losing money? So, for example, we have a, a client that has some... Uh, it's a family entertainment center. Okay. And they were overstaffing on their hourly labor. And so if you don't have the financials in front of you to see each location, the staffing relative to the revenue, you're not going to go, oh, gosh, we need to cut back here. Like, you know, go talk to the managers and understand what's going on there. Yeah. So it's those kinds of things that we help to uncover. Interesting. You'd think that most businesses would know that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's... Um... Almost by design, but we come in, we're often starting with, hey, show us, show us what you used to run the business. Yeah. You know, look at, show us your forecasting. And some, you know, I'd say probably 10% maybe have some assembly of a forecast. And then the rest don't. And then we just say, hey, how come you don't forecast? Yeah, you mean guess? I'm like, well, maybe guess. I mean, Fortune, you know, 500 companies are by law required to forecast. So, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. if they can do it, you know, we can figure it out. Most of the owners get on board with it. And then they feel good. That, I mean, that's why we started Ironwood. Yeah. is to remove the angst from running a small business. And the angst doesn't come from, will my product sell? The angst is the unknown. And the financial is the core of that because mm-hmm. you just don't know, do I have six months, 25 months, 30 months, cash flow, right? Great ideas don't cripple businesses. Cash yeah. flow does. Yeah. And nobody wants to deal with cash flow. It's terrible. No offense, Drew. Nobody <laughs> wants to deal with cash flow. However, that's what's going to keep you thriving or not. And that's just the way it is. Say another good example is we were meeting with somebody yesterday, and they have um, ten-year revenue projections, but they're not net income projections. And their goal in eight, ten years, whatever it is, is to sell the business. And we're like, well, you're going to sell the business, and it's going to be valued based on EBITDA. And they're like, say that again. What's that? Mm-hmm. And you're like, okay. So like, they're forecasting, which is good, but they're not forecasting the right thing. That's really what they're wanting to drive. Sure. And so just changing the way people think about what they're doing mm-hmm. to make sure it's um, aligned with their goals. Yeah. Well, one thing I love about having you as a partner is, uh, so a lot of the, I don't want to say a lot of, uh, we we come across businesses at every stage, right? And, and operating in so many different ways, we help facilitate and distribute 
over 2021 to 2022, about $40 million in small business grants through Maricopa County, City of Phoenix, ARPA funds that they decided to turn into grant programs. And saw a lot of these small businesses come through. And, you know, you've got to show financials and, you know, uh, projections and all. You've got to make your case that you, you know, are qualified for this grant kind of thing. And seeing so many different scenarios of what financials look like for all these businesses, right? I mean, I literally have seen pieces of paper um, where businesses are tracking their business on on a notebook. Oh, yeah. You know, you sit back and you're just like, wow. But I mean, that's just how they've done things, right? And and now that they have to show it for, you know, qualifications for certain things, and we come across, we're just like, wow. But what I loved about what you focus on is I feel like the majority of your clients are, you know, they're doing well, they're successful, they figured out what they're good at. They're really good at, you know, their specific focus in their industry, but they just might need some help with the mechanics of their business, which I find all the time in small business owners. They're always really good at what they do, not necessarily always great at running a business. And so I'm excited to be partnering with you because I know that we're working on um, a workshop that we're going to be putting together for Local First uh, Business Network. And I remember, you know, kind of talking about the format of it and what it might look like. And your team had sent over like like seven ideas of things you're going to cover. And First time I've ever seen something like that where I was just like, can we even cover this in one session? <laughs> and Patrick's is like, yeah, well, you know, it's all relevant to what a business needs to be thinking about in order to be successful. So I'd, I'd love to kind of hear your perspective on um, what are we what are we going to be planning? What are we going to be looking at when we put this workshop together? Yeah. So the the kind of framework for the workshop is around how do you scale yourself? Mm-hmm. Right. Because that's what I hear oftentimes from business owners is, you know, the whole, you know, on the business versus in the business stuff. And there's a lot of segments within that of how do I scale? And so we do a lot of these workshops. And when we do the workshops, again, we're not walking on water by any means. we got our own challenges. But in the workshop, it's tailored education to who's in the room and what do they need. And Taylor. And, um, (laughs) you know, so that could be, hey, marketing. Right now I have an in-house marketing person. Should I outsource it? Mm. Hey, I outsource it. Should I bring it in-house? What are the metrics I want to be thinking about? What actually is SEO? Mm-hmm. You know, financials, um, everybody knows they need to do more, but they don't know where to start. So we provide the actual assets. Like we can't just sit up there and jump up and down and yell and scream about what's possible. We got to provide tangible things. We'll actually give Excel models, cash flow models, show you how to do it. Cool. Um, same with technology. We had a lot of technology questions. Hey, what should it look like? And we'll pull websites up, you know, in the room mm. on the screen cool. and talk through, you know, pluses and minuses. Again, these are just recommendations. You know, these aren't, it's not like we're walking in with perfection. We're just walking in with, we've seen it over, you know, seven, eight, nine years. I've seen it in corporate America. Our partners have seen it in corporate America. And when you see it enough, you just, you just get it. I always give the adage around hiring. It's like, I'm not smarter than you, but I've hired a couple thousand people. So I've, I've failed many, many, many times. Our goal is to take those failures, bring them to you. So you don't fall in the same, you know, fall in the same trap. Yeah. Cool. Well, what kind of businesses would you recommend attend the workshop? What stage industry, uh, status employee number, um, are going to be ideal to be invited to this? Yeah. Good question. Typically, you know, our little sweet spot of, of who we can really help mm-hmm is up to that middle market. You know, so when you get up to call it 25 million in revenue, you know, you have the ability to hire a CFO. Mm. You have the ability to fill the C-suite. It's below that where some of the challenges occur. Yeah. You have businesses that are really early stage and it can be helpful to have conversations 
but you generally haven't had a lot of the challenges yet because you got your head down and you're just trying to grow and kind of build. But really everything in between there is is good. Okay. And I say employee count doesn't matter. Industry doesn't matter. You know, I always say the industry, it's, we're agnostic because it just, the challenges are this, you know, maybe NASA's different, mm -hmm. but in general, the average small business, we're all, you know, we're a small business. We're all in the same boat and our hiccups and challenges are the same as yours or business X, business Y, business C. And you actually benefit from the collaboration. So like if we work a manufacturing client and bring that to professional services, there's a lot of good discipline and routines. Yeah. You know, family entertainment centers, we do a lot with the attraction industry. Mm. They labor, you live and die by labor. Yeah. And that's different than most businesses. So just bringing those things to each other just matters. Yeah. You know, we have Taylor doing marketing and it could be a wellness clinic with a doc who's great looking and charismatic. And then we also could be doing marketing for whatever interior, you know, builder or a concrete company. Gotcha. Less the ability to find greatness with <laughs> copy and content, yeah, right. but you still have to kind of figure that out and kind of work with them. Sure. Yeah. Super interesting. Well, speaking of labor and going back, speaking of hiring, I mean, it is the number one thing we're hearing in the business community and have been hearing about uh, over the last uh, several months, I'd say even the last year is how do I find good people? How do I retain good people? And is this just going to be how it is? you know, long-term moving forward. And so you've seen, I'd say every industry adopt elevated standards as far as when it comes to what an employee gets when they work for you. First, I think that was hiring bonuses, right? And, you know, I remember talking to a small <clears throat> retail shop in Tempe and he was saying, well, I'm offering a $250 hiring bonus after 90 days. And I just said, dude, Everybody is. <laughs> Go on Google and type in hiring bonus Tempe and everybody's going to come up on Indeed, right? So um, it's it's come down a lot to how can you differentiate yourself as far as what's attractive to people. I was talking to a brewery who, you know, was coming back from a meeting about adopting a 401k plan. And I was just like, if you had told me in 2019 that you could go work, work at a brewery and get a 401k, I would have said you're crazy. <laughs> 100%. So what are you seeing out there? Who's doing it right? Who's adopting creative strategies to find good people? And what could businesses be thinking about as they're trying to navigate um, the current times too? Yeah. So I probably would share just a few tactical things. So like one, to your point on the, on the bonus deal, right? So you're right. Many people are doing it. But 250 bucks, it doesn't matter what the hourly rate is or what your annual comp is. 250 bucks, you're barely going to notice it. Mm. You know, this little group called FICA takes a bunch of it, right? Mm -hmm. So it's just, mm -hmm. you're not even going to notice it. And so I always tell people, I said, do, you know, do you know what $2 an hour more over the course of a year is? And it's like, oh, Drew can do the math faster, but, you know, it's four, <laughs> it's four grand. So if you give somebody $1,500 after 90 days and then another 2000 at six months, you're still, as the owner, you're still better off, you know, over the long run. Mm -hmm. The person feels great and appreciated. And then you're also, you don't have salaries that are out of whack. Yeah. Because at some point, this can't continue. Sorry, Daryl. The salary stuff mm -hmm. just can't continue. And it's just not going to be feasible to have person X doing this job, making $190,000 a year. It just won't happen. And if you use bonuses, that can help. Profit sharing is another one. We put a lot of profit sharing plans in. We keep them really basic. but it's a good way to get the team engaged and have the team banging on you for net income because that's how 
they get their bonus at six months or year end. Mm-hmm. Uh, and clearly, obviously, the you know the low hanging fruit of culture. Do you provide a good work working environment? Um, yeah. You also have to recruit now, you know, especially for some of these bigger jobs, sales roles, mm-hmm. um, director of ops. You know, these kind of direct deliver roles. Before you could just post on Indeed, ZipRecruiter, and they'd kind of knock on the door. Yeah. And now you actually have to get on LinkedIn and dust off the old tactics. And I always tell people take a word doc, do a little, hey, I saw your profile. You look great. We're hiring. You know, we're, we got nothing but growth. Would love to have you on board. Mm-hmm. Copy paste in a hundred LinkedIn direct connects. And guess what? You'll get 10 responses. Yeah. And maybe there's a little gold nugget in there, but you got to do the work. You know? Yeah. I've also found a lot of value. I don't know if you do this with any of your clients in encouraging and training um, your staff how to be active on telling their story as an employee just ongoingly. Um, I've found probably three or four people on our team over the last year because um, the first thing they'll say to me when they reach out asking if we have any open positions is, I see you on LinkedIn all the time. And that's because I take a proactive approach everywhere I go, um, everything I do with Local First, I'll snap photos, I'll, you know, and then next day, throw it up, you know, and just show people we're in the community, we're doing things, tell a story about behind the work. Yeah. Do you find that your clients are seeing success from those strategies too? Yeah. I mean, people want to be around fun people and enjoy life and enjoy yeah. and, you know, the representation of your company is more transparent than you may realize. Mm-hmm. So when I go to a website and it looks like it's archaic and the social handle links don't work well, or you, or the blog says, Hey, Merry Christmas, 2019. <laughs> like that just tells you that, you know, it's less about the marketing, more of just what's the culture and what's sure. the excitement. Conversely, when I click on one and I see, Hey, we're, you know, it was, um, uh, a buddy, Gabe Cooper at Virtuous. He had their philanthropic day, you know, this week. And so throughout the country, they were volunteered and I was just blown away at LinkedIn. And that's like, that's what you get excited about. I saw 20 different photos across the country with guys and gals, you know, feeling good and giving back to the community. When I see that, I'm like, hey, it's not just about software. No offense, Gabe. But it's not just about the, what you're doing with the widget. Yeah. It's, that's, that's what people, gets, you know, people get excited about. Right. Taylor, are you seeing anything specific businesses are doing online? No, I just, I think Patrick, what Patrick said, totally nailed it on the head. We're really starting to move away from a marketing lens from like beautifully curated feeds, right? Like long gone are the days of like perfect photos and heavily branded graphics that try to, you know, catch people's attention. And we're working with a lot of our clients right now to try to shift that mindset too. And, you know, a lot of times people are like, people don't want to see that. People yeah. don't want to see, you know, the behind the scenes of what, you know, our day-to-day looks like because it's boring to them, but it's the stuff that performs the best and it's stuff that gets people engaged and, and want to follow and, and all that kind of stuff. So yeah. Yeah, we're, we're working hard with our clients on that right now. I think a great example of that is like Modern Nest. So custom home builder, they have a retail shop on Fifth Avenue in Old Town, Scottsdale. Beautiful curated photography. Yeah. Beautiful homes, beautiful market. Everything is just perfect. Their most engagement comes from the owner, Jilly, with a tank top, walking around a disgusting project site, talking about what's possible. Yeah. And that doesn't have to be just for marketing for the business. I'm talking hiring and people and, you know, the authenticity word is probably used too often, but that's the pivot and it goes yep. for hiring. And it goes for culture. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we are excited to be hosting the workshop soon. Um, so if you're listening uh, today and um, are interested in coming out, meeting this team, 
getting information about how you can improve your business. We'll be uh, sending information out about that soon. I want to go around and um, pose a question to all of you as we kind of close out today. Um, And that is, if there's something that you think every small business out there should consider or prioritize um, heading into 2023, they walk into this room right now, regardless of industry, regardless of size, history, what is that one thing that you'd encourage them to prioritize? Um, Taylor, I'm going to start with you. Oh, on the spot. Okay. (laughs) From a marketing lens, something that we're really trying to work hard with our clients on and prioritizing is like an overarching strategy, right? I touched on it earlier that that marketing is oftentimes an afterthought. Let's throw this social media post up really quick and it's sporadic and inconsistent. Or again, we need an email that, that goes out tomorrow for a sale that we're having. So looking at things at a macro lens and really spending the time, whether it's one day a quarter, right? Really planning out everything that you guys have going on from sales to holidays to whatever it may be. And it kind of takes the the overwhelmingness outside of marketing and lets you actually be strategic and, and think through it and then plan everything, you know, kind of at a month's lens so that you've got, you know, we build out content calendars for our clients that have everything that's going on for the month of September, right? That they got halfway through through the month of August. And cool. I think that having a strategy like that in place, especially moving into, into the next year is going to be important when it comes to just, you know, planning all the good stuff that you've got going on. Agreed. So yeah, definitely agree. Drew, I'm going to jump over to you. Left side of the brain. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think w- with all of our clients, we have them budget and create a budget for the year. And we're about to come into that uh, for 2023. I think one thing that we, that every business owner needs to do is when they, when they're thinking about the budget is think about the how. So how are we actually going to make these goals happen? Or what are we doing tangibly to drive these results? So for example, we have a client in North Phoenix that brought in a new director of ops of operations, and we assume some level of efficiency gains and savings in the manufacturing space. So we've said, you know, we're going to do 1% better on our cost of goods sold because we're going to just be more efficient because we have a good person in that role. And now we need to hold them accountable to making sure that we do that in our financial reviews. And that's where we'll uncover those things if that's actually happening. So I think when you're budgeting, think about how we're actually going to make this happen. And then as part of that monthly process, hold them accountable to making sure that it does. Wonderful. Wonderful. All right. Let's bring the brain together. All right. (laughs) I'm going to drop two on you, though. You said one, but I'm going to drop two. All right. You know, the first is, you know, we call it strategic planning in stodgy corporate America. We're Six Sigma guys. So whether it's Six Sigma, EOS, doesn't matter. It can be a piece of paper. It yeah. could be a little PowerPoint. Have a compass for the business, a blueprint. And when I say compass, like, you know, you can get off kilter, right? We had COVID mm-hmm. where you got to kind of adjust. Yep. Who knows with what's going to happen financially, economically, literally nobody knows. But you want to have a plan and a blueprint. And again, what do you want to do? Initiative, stuff like that. We can get into the weeds on what that stuff is. Right. But when somebody says, hey, what's your plan for next year? And if the answer is, I don't know. That's not ideal. So not good. <laughs> it's not. It's not good. It, and that's yeah. that's what causes the angst. And then the second one is uh, is have fun. You know, we have a great pool builder client here in the state, and he was a COVID winner for all the reasons. You sat in your backyard and you're like, "This stinks. I need a pool, just like these two. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I said, "Hey, when's the last time you guys did anything?" He's like, "We're too busy." I'm like, "You're too busy to have fun?" He's like, "Huh." And then he came around. And he's like, "You know what? You're right." And they did this huge event, and it doesn't it doesn't always have to be a huge event. Mm-hmm. But it's like if you're not having fun, what are you what are you doing? What are so, you doing? Yeah. Whether it's the happy hour, whether it's an event, whether it's a film, I always recommend the philanthropic with events. So if you're gonna do an offsite, you better spend that morning doing something besides you guys. 
And uh, I think, and I just, it's easy to get caught up with the fun part and just yeah. not having enough fun. Totally agree. Totally agree. Well, Drew, Taylor, Patrick, thank you all so much for being here today. We're excited to uh, see you soon, host that workshop. If people are looking to get in contact with you or interested in talking further, how could they get in touch? Yeah, website's the best, the best spot. So ironwoodventure.com. So ironwoodventure.com. And then the workshop, um, all we're trying to do is help. So we do a lot of them. It's a give back. We tailor them. Me tailor. <laughs> we, t- we tailor them. Trademark that. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, we tailor them to the audience. You know, it's, it's not a presentation. It's interactive. Come with some thoughts, ideas, questions. And again, we don't walk on water, but we just have a lot of bumps and bruises. And if we can help and that's advantageous, then, then great. Awesome. Well, thank you all for joining us today. And thank you for listening to us on Arizona Good Business Radio. We'd like to thank our sponsor, Phoenix Business Radio X. I'm Thomas Barr and hope you are inspired today to do good business and are more proud to call this place our home. Mm-hmm.